Greetings and salutations, board game fans. The Dice Pirates are back. This is episode 41. We are going to be talking about some whiteboard games that we like. Any game that has a, you know, a dry erase marker, anything you can write on, you know, reuse it over and over again. We always love that. It's great. It's an easy way to keep things cheap. We're going to talk about some of those games. You can stop laughing at me right now, Matt. I know you. I, 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 I realize like... I blundered that intro a bit. It went poorly, but you don't have to just make fun you of did. me. It, I was, it was the emphasis. I like, wasn't we're laughing play at some your whiteboard games. Okay, like... no, but okay. So I was saying it normally. I was saying it normally, and then my wife was like, "Did you just say white board games?" And I was like, <laughs> I didn't." I but now I'm going to say it during the podcast unintentionally, <laughs> and you've ruined me. And it happened. That's really funny. I was laughing because of the whole idea that whiteboard games is a genre. I was like, are we out of ideas? Are we, <laughs> have we done too many episodes? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This is great. Board I games love it. from Let's white designers. It. It's, the, it's the beginning of the end for us. Uh, dry, dry erase board gaming? That's Okay, dry erase board gaming. That's what I was looking for. See, this is why you do the words and I just edit everything <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, look, man. I'm a wordsmith. You are many things, and uh, I suppose that's one of them. Uh, we're going to jump right into the soapboxes. We're going to leave this travesty of an intro behind. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to redo it. That's just what it is. We're going. We're it's doing just, it live. It is what it is. It is it's what real. it is. Matt, you have a soapbox for us. Go ahead and wordsmith this up. What do you got? Okay. All right. I have a soapbox. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read to you guys... Uh, the backstory paragraph of a board game that I recently played. Ooh. Uh, and I want you to guess this game. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> it's so good. All right. I'm very excited. Vesh the Dark-Handed may have once been a man, but whatever he is now has no name. Some claim he was once a warlord in the ages past his battle for succession for the High Crown. And yet others say he was tutored by the darkest of witch covens. All we do know is that Vesh Darkhand spent decades in the caverns of the Churwash Depths, wrapped in his ensorcelments and arcane experiments. From there emerged waves of nightmarish monsters, each one more different and more deadly than the last. He has enslaved entire peoples of the world to fight in his accursed armies, and he seems hell-bent on revenge against every free and living thing. What board game does that come from? Is Are you this... sure you weren't reading from the Game of Thrones wiki? No. I was going to say, is this from one of the villains in like Runebound or something? <laughs> no. You... <laughs> what board game what? is this from? This is so good. Vesh the Dark-Handed. Uh, I, got, I got nothing, homie. I'll give you a hint. It's a, Ian. It's a game you literally just bought. You just said the title of this board game forty seconds no. ago. No, Isle of Cats. <laughs> yes. What? Are you kidding me? This what is the, the most. This is the most flabbergasted I've ever been. I couldn't even play Isle of Cats because I was so like my brain couldn't even wrap my mind around the wait, the depth of backstory they put into the game Isle of Cats. Wait, wait. I, but I didn't see. I, I went through this stuff today. Like I didn't read the backstory. There's no, there's no monsters in the game. It's well, clearly. What? I'm so it's on the. It's, it's on the side of the box. Go get the box right now. Do it. Open oh it. My, okay. Look on the side All of the right. box. Yep. Oh uh, my gosh. So yes, we played Isle of Cats on Sunday. If you've never played Isle of Cats, it's a it's a it's a puzzle game. It's Tetris with cats. 
the name Catrus was right there, and they just didn't have the guts. They didn't have the guts to go for it. But it's Tetris with cats. You're trying to get as many cats in matching patterns of colors and, and arrangements onto your boat, into the hold of your boat, and you score points. It's cute. It's lovely. Somewhere in this, they were like, you know what this game needs? A gritty backstory. I would. L- I want to be in on the meeting. I want to be a fly on the wall in the meeting where somebody was like, all right, I got an idea. I want to tie in Vesh Darkhand, uh, the big bad from my D&D campaign <laughs> that I've been working on. Uh, wow. The entire game of Isle of Cats is the story of the cats fleeing Vesh's power. You actually never fight Vesh. It's actually kind of grim. You're giving up the Isle, and you're just trying to escape with as many cats as you could possibly fit on the well, boat. to be fair, he sounds very powerful. Well, he was wrapped in his ensorcelments. An arcane yeah, experiment. Sorcelments. Uh, it word. just cracked me up because one, it takes a game that is otherwise just delightful and simple, and it makes it kind of dark because you're basically like as many cats as you can fit onto your boat is, are the ones that are going to survive. Uh, so now the whole game is much more grim. Also, com- it does not need this story at all. But some uh, some marketing like audit was done, and they were like, "All right, look, we're never going to get nerds to play this unless there's some kind of Sauron-like figure and at least a hint of fantasy trappings." Uh, wow. So, this emerged, I did notice but... that as I read through the rule book, every as I skimmed through it, every section had like a story paragraph associated with the actions you're taking, which felt. I mean, that I, I like that they took the time for it. That's it's, that's nice. It's a story rich game that did so not need extra. a story. Oh my goodness! I mean, uh, I. Yeah, yeah, like you said, I did just buy this game. Uh, and I know you recently played it. Of course, we're a little late to the party. People, a lot of people like this game, but sure. we're definitely going to do a review of this game, uh, hopefully in the next couple episodes, once we get the chance to play it a few times. Yeah, it's great. I loved it. I was terrible at it, mostly because I completely misunderstood or just brain blanked out on a part of the rules and uh, did not understand that when you're, 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 you're trying to group like-colored cats together, red cats, blue cats, and the bigger uh, family of cats you can form, you get a multiplying score thing. I completely missed the idea of grouping families, and my uh, I was just I was just I was just trying to get cats to, to fit is basically all I was trying to do. It was so I scored terribly, but that's fine. I had a lot of fun with it. It's good. It definitely yeah. uh, is basically just cat Tetris. Love it. Well, that sounds awesome. Apparently, we jumped straight to our game. That's super fun. Uh, we should do this again. I'd love to do this game. Guess again. the backstory. What should we call it? Um, uh, guess the backstory. I mean, it was right there. That's, I, okay, well, that's, that's not catchy. That's, I'm going to give you more time. You can think on that. At the okay. end of the episode, we'll come back and come up with a new name for it, okay? Yeah. Aaron, you have a soapbox for us. What's going on? So, I, uh, recently played a video game that I think might be my new Slay the Spire. Oh. And I do not say this lightly. That, I realize that's, a, that's, that's a big that's a big thing right there. Yes. Uh, the name of the game is Slice and Dice. Uh, it is available on Android phones as well as itch.io. It's not on Steam or iPhones or a lot of places where people would go to buy things, which leads me to believe that this is flying under the radar for basically everybody. So the way the game works is you have your your hall of heroes represented by 
uh, you have five different character classes. Each one is represented by a die. And then you're fighting through wave after wave of monsters. And the monsters are also dice. Everything is dice. So as you go through the game, uh, similar to Slay the Spire, the first thing that happens is the monster dice get rolled so you know exactly what they're going to do, how much damage, what kind of status effects, whatever. Then you have... Uh, you roll all of your hero dice. You get some re-rolls there. And your goal is to kill all 20 waves of monsters. Uh, it doesn't have a map system like Slay the Spire. Uh, instead, every level you are either gaining an item or leveling up a hero. When you level up a hero, you completely change what their die has on each face. You can have uh, ranged attacks that can hit enemies in the back row and avoid ret uh, retribution attacks. You can have faces that not only heal or block damage, but also remove status effects. Uh, you can have attacks that do a lot of damage to one target or a little bit of damage to several targets. All, all classic you know, strategy things. Uh, and when you level up a die, you completely change what's on it. So your healer might uh, might level up into a vampire, where they have attacks that do healing to themselves as well, and they can spend their own health to give health to every other character. Or you'll get items, and the items are where the game gets really interesting. There are a hundred heroes, and I have the page pulled up, so that's how I know the numbers are right. You have a hundred hero classes, and th over 350 unique items. And every single item changes your dice or your character in some way. Some of them are just spells that you can cast, but you got to make sure if that hero is dead, you can't, can't cast that spell anymore. Uh, you also have items that will change or augment the different faces of your die so you're never locked into what that die is. So it's really just about trying to piece together these crazy combos like in Slay the Spire but you've got these five characters to work with and they're all dice instead of it's, it's dice based instead of card based. Um, I this this may cost me my job. The same way that Slay the Spire coming to my phone was a threat to my livelihood. Uh, this is... It's so good. The, the the combo potential... Like, even though it's... it's Similarly to Slay the Spire, even though you're rolling dice or drawing cards, you never feel like when you lose, it was because the game was unfair. You have... once Once your dice are locked in you can always undo your entire turn, start over, and try something else to see how that works out. It never feels unfair. It always feels like you just did a bad job. But yeah, it's it's called Slice and Dice. It is an exemplar of, of Slay the Spires. It's a board game design with video game sensibility. It's nothing that couldn't exist physically on a table in front of you. But it's a video game because, you know, you're constantly changing your dice. You're changing what are on the face of each die. There are games where you can do that. But this would be an entire afternoon just upgrading and retooling and tinkering with all the dice. 
it could exist physically, but nobody would play it. It would be too much. Uh, but wow, I was just thinking like I love. I like when you have like a board game inspired video game that just like it's doing stuff that would just be a little yes. bit impractical in a physical board game. Like you could do this, but the cost of like having all these dice, like you either have a bajillion dice or weird modular dice that you pop the faces off. Of. But I think there's a game that does there's a that. There's a couple, but nothing, nothing with this level of customizability. Like this, sometimes you'll yeah. have an item that will like increase the value of one face of the die and decrease the value of another one so trying to figure out how to do that physically would be it is available on mac it's very good it's seven dollars it's very good also there's a free demo hashtag not an ad just a big fan yeah i love getting the best of both worlds that sounds awesome i'm definitely have to try this out Wow. Well, that is a fantastic recommendation and something that, of course, will kill all of our free time. I can't wait to try that out and get completely lost. Of course, since we already had a game, I think we're going to postpone our our, uh, scheduled game to next episode. So we're actually going to jump right into our main discussion. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. I have a name for the I have a name for that game. I invented. Oh, it's called Skip Intro. Because you skipped the intro. You didn't read the backstory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Skip yeah. intro. RTFM. Okay. Read the fucking yeah. manual. Uh, <laughs> right back in just a minute. Oh, that silence hurt me. Oh. All right, and welcome back to the Dice Pirates, and we're going to go ahead and dive into our main topic this week, which is going to be uh, another triple header, a review of three games. Uh, unlike our last episode, we found uh, a thematic linkage between these games, and we're going to talk about three games united by one common gameplay element, the presence of a dry erase board. Who doesn't like a game with a dry erase board? It's handy. You get to write stuff. You get to erase it. You don't have uh, a bunch of little pieces of paper or those tiny pencils to have to worry about. It's lovely. And so here we're going to talk about three games. Uh, we're going to talk about Telestrations. We're going to talk about just one. And we're going to talk about one more game that I forgot about. Wits and Wagers, dude. It's so good. Wits and Wagers. That was it. Telestrations, Wits and Wagers, and just one. All right. Flawless. Nailed that. Ian, tell us about your games. <laughs> okay. My, this is the most scuffed episode. My first game is uh, Telestrations. So uh, one of the things that uh, dry erase board games are, of course, the best for is something that you can reuse a lot. Or you can pass around with a bunch of stuff because it's easy to reuse. It's great for party games, uh, which is what both of my games are. Um, so Telestrations is essentially... It is a uh, kind of a Pictionary uh, version of Telephone, which I'm sure you guys have both played. You know, you, you whisper something to the person next to you, it goes around the circle. In this one, you're given a little, like, flip book of uh, dry erase panels. And what you do is there's a, like, a, a die that's rolled. And based on a card, you're randomly going to get a word that you're going to be drawing. And, I mean, you can also come up with your own words if you want. So you're going to have a word, and you're going to draw a picture based on this word. You pass it to the, after everyone has drawn. You have a certain amount of time. You pass this to the person on your left. They guess the word based on your drawing. 
they write that word and then they pass it to the person on their left and that person has to draw the word that they guessed. So it's going to get all the way back to you and it may be something entirely different. You know, I might draw a, you know, I might draw a person carrying a purse and then Matt's going to look at it and he's going to guess, oh, this is a, uh, like a purse snatcher, you know, and then it may go on to Aaron and Aaron may, you know, see that he may draw something that doesn't even resemble that because he's bad at drawing. And so the next person might not guess even remotely related to purses, something like that. So as you go around, the drawings that you get towards the end are going to be so different from what you had originally as your word. And it's one of those games that once you get to the end, you're playing with a bunch of people and everyone's going through and they're flipping. And then this turned into this and this turned into this. And it's a fantastic party game to have with a lot of people. And it's really easy to play. I love that. And I love that this is probably it's that simple. That's probably the basic rules of Telestration. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a brilliant game. It is something that always comes out of parties. Uh, if you are the type of, of, of board game nerd who also enjoys the occasional game of cards against humanity a very fun version of this game with a bunch of grown-ups and alcohol is telestrations but instead all of your prompts are answer cards from cards against humanity because telestrations (laughs) telestrations is a brilliant example of of this concept of regression to the mean where the mean is always inappropriate jokes like it's always if you've got enough people playing by the end of it it's always Mm -hmm. something you can't say in front of your children so when you start off there using the cards against humanity cards especially and it's i i think part of what makes that part of what makes telestration so good is it's more fun the worse everyone is when people exactly. are really bad at drawing and really bad at understanding what other people drew, that's the fun of the game. It's If you're playing this and actually keeping track of score in any way, you're doing it wrong. It's yeah. less of a game, more you know of an activity. Wrong. And it's so much fun. Yes. But that's good sometimes. Yeah, I know that's very different to a lot of the stuff we talk about, but I you know, played this the other day and I just really do appreciate a game that you know, much like Cards Against Humanity and stuff like that, allows you to just enjoy and have fun with each other. And this game, more than almost any other party game I've played, really does let you just have fun with mm-hmm. the group of people that you're at the table with. Because, yeah, like, if you're keeping score, then you're really, like, I mean, then it's just, it kind of takes all the fun out of it. And much like, you know, the original, like, telephone game and any of the games similar to that, the experience and, like, seeing how things fell apart as they got around the table, you know, especially knowing that maybe one person is really bad at drawing and that changed everything is the best part of the game for me. Uh, I want to play this. I have seen this game. I think obviously if you've like walked past a board game section at a store, like you've seen this game, but I just didn't like, I don't know. I never, I think I never picked it up. It just maybe the box art just looked a little hokey. I don't know. I didn't think it would be as fun, but like hearing you guys describe it, it sounds really kind of awesome and right up my alley and a much better like social uh uh just hangout game than we've talked about cards against humanity a lot in this already and i think that's really funny that it came up because 
that's the worst option in my opinion for like, <laughs> let's just hang out and play something silly. I'm like, Oh, Telestrations is really good with like people who you are still trying to suss out. Yeah. Like it's, it's good for like, you wanted to throw a game night, but everybody brought somebody and you don't want to scare folks off. Yeah, it's a fantastic icebreaker. It's easy to, to jump out, get people invested in what's going on. And then you can bring out something else. You can bring out a card game or something, you know, to get people in, in, interested. But to just make sure that people are, you know, getting past that initial round of just like, who is everybody? You know, let's talk. Getting people into that game and getting them focused on, on the table. This is a fantastic way to go about that and still make sure that people are going to know each other. So, yeah. So, Telestrations, I think, you know, if you are going to have, you know, a party and, you know, you're interested in something that everyone can play, absolutely worth pick up. I do recommend this one. And to the uh, theme of the episode, an absolutely perfect use of whiteboard. You could do this with uh, paper, and it would just be wasteful and uh, expensive because you'd have to replace the paper at some point. So, absolutely uh, perfect use of the uh, dry erase whiteboard component. Aaron, tell us about just one. Uh, also, my wife said that she would listen to this episode of the podcast if uh i talked about telestrations was one of her two recommendations the other one was pictionary and uh so now we've talked about it moving on just one uh so just one is a <laughs> word game kind of in this in a similar vein to something like code names or decrypto if you're if you're cool in just one you have uh, one person who is guessing the secret word, and then everyone else is giving them clues. The person who is guessing the secret word, uh, you have a card that has a list of words. They put it in front of them where they can't see it, and they say, I want to guess word number five. And then everyone else looks at the card, sees word number five is umbrella, for example. And everyone has to secretly, without any communication, write down a clue that relates to umbrella. Obviously, you can't write down the word umbrellas, but any word is allowed as long as it's not the same word or in the same word family. And then, before the guesser gets to see the clues, uh, also notably, your clues can only be just one word. Mm. I legitimately asked that question the first time I was playing the game and still learning it, and everyone looked at me quietly, and I was like, Okay, that's fair. That was a dumb question. Uh, so everyone then, all of the, the clue givers compare their words. And if anybody has written the same word as anybody else, or a similar word to anybody else, all the similar clues are removed. So if we were playing, and it was Umbrella, and I wrote down Rain, and Ian wrote down Rainy, both of those are now removed. Mm. So not only does the guesser have fewer words, they're out that clue entirely. So you only get to write just one word, and there's only just one of each clue allowed, and if multiple people put in the same clue, then you're toast. The brilliance of this game, uh, and then the guesser looks at all of the remaining words, tries to guess the word, there there is a scorekeeping mechanism in the game, but like, I, I think like all of these games, they're going to have a similar vein of you're not really playing it to see what your score was. You're 
playing it to have fun with people right exercise your brain a little bit uh the the brilliant part of the game is you will always think of the perfect clue and then say i can't write that because obviously somebody else is going to write that but everybody and else there's will other the people same thing. yeah who just write the first thing that comes to their head and to be honest you need both because if everyone is being esoteric with their clues even if all the clues get through the guesser is going to be like i don't i don't understand how to tie together <laughs> all of these to one thing like these three i can figure out something i don't know what you wrote john i don't know what that means or what that is i don't know what's happening it's very specific um, come on john yes <laughs> so it's, why did you it's write tuberculosis this, uh... john i don't know what it... <laughs> <laughs> how does that relate to umbrellas well in 1947 nobody knew that john shut up um it, it's just it's so brilliantly executed uh the way you have to i i as much as i don't like social deduction games i really like games where you have to play the players where you have to get inside the the head of the other people yeah. around the table and figure out what they're going to do and how to work around that. Yeah. Like what, what's going to make sense and to I, them? Yes. And everyone's doing that all to everyone else all at the same time. So then everyone turns around and it, it's a whiteboard game. You have these little easels that are, are multi-purpose. One side holds up the card, the other side, is it's all plastic so you can like write your clue on it and then turn it around and then turn it face down so you can still keep the clues to show after the person guesses like oh man you that's amazing that you got it without this obvious clue like i said you need I, i've uh they just added it to uh the final version to board game arena shout out to board game arena once again mm. and we should play this. It is so funny. It's so it's so funny playing with people on Board Game Arena because there are some people who take the game extremely seriously, <laughs> like most games on Board Game Arena. But then there's also the people who understand that this is not a game that you need to take seriously because it's a funny game about, you know, it's a word game. It, it's a silly little thing. Yeah. And the people who take it seriously will always they will be the ones giving the most esoteric clues and then also being upset by other people's esoteric clues that they didn't understand. But, like, that's the core of the game, and that's what makes it so good and so much fun, is you have to be out there, but not too out there, but not the same level of between those two points as anyone else, because then Parasol got eliminated and then now all the guesser has left is like shade and sun. Yeah, you got to you got to be strategic about it. I love that. It, it kind of reminds me of the way that you like you approach code names, you know, where you want to you want to be vague enough in what you do so that you can maybe apply to multiple different things but also at the same time you don't want to be so, you know, you can't be too vague or they'll guess the wrong stuff. I really like that. I like that everyone else is giving clues and you're competing. It's it's really fun like almost like a uh Oh, like I don't know, like a multiplayer version of Taboo. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I like it. I want to play it. I think we should get together on uh, Board Game Arena and play it. But I I feel like it would be better in person. All right. Well, we got one more game for you. Uh, one last game of uh, Dry Race Magic, and that is uh, going to be Wits and Wagers. Uh, Ian, yes. tell us about this bad boy. 
Yeah, so Wits and Wagers is a, a game that I actually really enjoy, and I did not expect to enjoy at all. Um, if there's one thing that I don't really like, especially board games-wise, and I don't know that you know this, Mac, because we never played any of these games, I don't like trivia board games at all. I'll do a Ooh. trivia night at a bar. That's always fun. Like, I'll do that, but that's because I'm hanging out with people. Board game trivia games, I hate them. I'm so bad at trivia. It's just not super interesting to me, and I'm I just I, I, it's just not my thing. But wits and wagers, I actually really enjoy, and I always try to find the time to to break it out whenever I can, especially with people that I know like trivia because it's trivia adjacent. But what like I like about it is that you don't have to be correct. You just got to be close. It's very Price is Right. So to break down how the game works, you're gonna get a question that everyone is gonna everyone's gonna have to answer so there's gonna be an open question on the table for instance like in minutes what is the average time a person spends taking a shower that may be an example question and so you have to guess okay how long does the average person spend in a shower and so you have a little minutes. there you go 15 minutes and then aaron would throw out his guess as well like what are you gonna guess i'm gonna say i mean, because it's average i'm gonna say nine and uh, and so you guys would each have a little card, little dry erase, uh, little small dry erase board that you're going to write your answer on. And you can have those upside down. And once everyone's finished, you're going to flip those over and you're going to put them in an, in uh, ascending order, you know, from smallest to biggest. There's a permanent number one that sits there so that there's a base level. And whoever is closest without going over is going to win. But... It's not as simple as that. Not only do you win if you have the correct answer that is closest without going over, you also get the option to vote on which one you think is the correct one. So you have two meeples that you're going to vote with. You have a small meeple and a big meeple. And so once you put your votes down, like Matt, you know, in this instance, he might be like, man, I don't, my 15 minutes was really high. I don't, I don't know if I feel confident in that anymore. So your small meeple's worth one point, your big meeple's worth two points. You might throw your big meeple on top of Aaron's board that says nine minutes, and if that one's right, you get two points because you uh -huh. put your big meeple there. If you put, if you really feel confident and you put both of your meeples there, you get three points because your you know, small one and your big one. The actual answer for this one is actually eight minutes. So Aaron was close, but he was too high. So Wapple. anybody who put their meeples on the... Uh, default one, which would be the correct answer in this case, would get points for the meeples they put there. So there's not only a guessing aspect to it, but once you, if you have no idea, once you've thrown out your answer and you realize that you were way off base, you can also say, okay, well, I think this person was really close, so I'm going to vote on this person. And if you get the correct answer, you also just get a point. But it also means that people get the chance to double down on whether they were correct or catch up. I, I really like it because it changes the dynamic a little bit from trivia into also like kind of bouncing off of other people's trivia knowledge. And do they just sound like they know what they're talking about? Do they get really specific? It's a really fun uh, twist on the trivia board game. Wits and Wagers is the perfect trivia board game because it is... Like like Ian said, you do get a point for having the right answer. You also get points, I believe, and there's a couple different versions, so maybe I'm, I'm remembering from a different version. You also get points when people pick your answer. Um, not in the version I had, but that no. may very well be a thing as well. Um, I, in I think that's in another one. I, I could be misremembering. Um, but it's... <laughs> It's a perfect board game because... It's a perfect trivia board game because it is 0% about 
knowing the answer to the question. It's almost more about knowing it's that, that, uh, the truth doesn't care about the facts thing <laughs> yeah. where you just want to be doesn't close. Matter. You don't need to put the, the truth, the, the factual answer. You just need to put the answer that feels the most true. Yes. It's, it's a game about truthiness. Yes, exactly. It's not, it's, it's, it's not true, but does it feel truthy? I'll bet on that. You are, you are not punished for knowing the wrong, for not knowing the answer. And just to, to clarify, uh, Every every question, the answer is a number. Yes, it's always numbers. So you're always gonna you're always gonna be guessing a number. There's no like, you know, words or anything. You can always have, you know, a defined like this is the answer. Yeah. So. And it's it's very rarely a question that any reasonable person would have any idea what the answer is. One of my favorite questions is how many elevators are in the White House. Why would anyone know that, unless they're some kind of person who you know if you're the kind of person who would know that obviously you know that it's five but like there's five who would know how many elevators are in uh but in it might be the vegas edition where you get points for people betting on you there is this element of that thing that i'm very bad at but i know that you are very good at matt of like i'm correct i don't know look todd wrote 13 he just yeah. picked it. He just picked 13 because that's a fun number. There's there's three elevators. I just Googled it. You just go okay, three. So you were wrong twice, Aaron. You get no points. <laughs> you get no points this round. I, I do like that there is like an it's it's fascinating to me that there are different versions where there's elements of like acting like you know what you're talking about, too, because sometimes you do get situations where everyone is just wildly, wildly off base. Like, for instance, there's a there's a question uh in pounds what's the world record for the weight lifted by a single human ear what's oh wait, let me let me guess this what's the weight in pounds lifted by a yeah. human ear yeah single human uh, ear. uh 15 pounds 15 pounds what do you think aaron i don't know because i've seen some real some real weirdos on like the ripley's believe it or not tv show from the late 90s slash early 2000s i don't actually know when that show was on the air i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot the moon here i'm gonna say 40 pounds 40 pounds okay and so so this is where this is one of those situations where one of you guys might you know throw an answer out there and he's like aaron seems like he knows what he's talking about right the actual answer is 178 pounds what yeah it's kind of crazy you know, I almost said 50 and then I was like, uh, let's be a little bit more conservative than 50. But then if someone throws a wild answer out there, like 150 pounds and nobody guessed mm-hmm. it, they would have been right. You know, even though Aaron acted like he knew what he was talking about, which he didn't, you know, which is always the case. But that's neither. Here. I want you to know that I, I, if anyone's keeping score at home, I've missed all three of the of the wild guesses. <laughs> but I've been like fully confident that I was right every time. I would be terrible at this game because I have the unearned confidence of someone who works in middle management. Like I'm certain that I'm right. <laughs> uh, in all instances, I will boldly put my guess down on the board and, and I will never be right. But that's OK. I'd have a yeah. good time. Matt, you, you strike me as a man who doesn't turn back to look at explosions. Uh, no, just walking right away. Just just d- decisive. That's what you got to be. Confident, if you make it. confident that the grenade has you wanna, made contact. If you want to climb exactly to the middle of the ladder in whatever organization <laughs> that you are a part of, you've got to have that kind of confidence, my friend. Yeah. No, this, 
this game is uh, like you know I mean I think Aaron said it, you know it's probably one of the perfect trivia games for me personally I, I really enjoy it and uh, I definitely recommend it if you're you know not super into trivia board games but you know you have people that are it, I feel like it bridges that gap perfectly I, I really enjoy it hey one last yeah, guessing like... game before we break for the night for the evening yes. uh, if you had to guess what do you think the BGG score is for the tri- for Trivial Pursuit <laughs> Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit. Four point you gotta figure, five. You got to figure. There's probably separate. There's a million inter- editions. There's a, so there's I'm, a billion versions. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm specifically uh, clicked somewhat randomly on the Trivial Pursuit 20th anniversary edition from 2000. Tw- okay, oh, 20th, 20th anniversary. anniversary. Okay, all right, all right. Right, right. I mean, this affects the metrics. This okay, does affect right. the metrics. Six point um, one. Six point one. Final answer. Four point three. Yeah, split the difference. Five point two. Five point two. Unsurprisingly, wow. uh, unsurprisingly, I finally uh, got a right answer. Yeah, Board Game Geek does not like uh, Trivial Pursuit, which is a bad game, and I don't, I can't remember the last time I played it. But tri- I like trivia. But there's, you're right, trivia board games mostly suck. But Wits and Wagers sounds pretty fun. So that is the episode, a bunch of dry erase games, generally mostly uh, party games that you can enjoy with a lot of people. It's always good to have those in reserve if you got people coming over, you know, a lot of people, maybe, you know, a nice fun evening. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully some of these you may have enjoyed. Maybe you can think about picking up. Of course, Matt, if people want to get in touch with us, where can they do that? You can find us on Instagram at Dice Pirates. That's where uh, we like to post about our gaming adventures uh we do mini reviews updates on what we're playing the occasional cat picture so if you like cats that's just all the more reason to follow us so check us out there on the at dice pirates we really do appreciate you guys listening it is always amazing to see we will of course be coming back soon with another episode so stay tuned for that but until then we'll be right here on the dice pirates play more games play more games